0: Hi guys, welcome to Farmer Fridays, where I get to interview agriculturists all over the state of West Virginia, and now all across the nation. Today, I'm super excited we have Amy Parsons-White, who's part of the Marshall Sustainability Department.
1: So what's your your official title? I'm the sustainability manager.
0: Sustainability. That's amazing. So if you can't tell, that's what we're going to be talking about today is the sustainability department at Marshall University, the different programs that they're involved in. But first, before we get into all of that craziness, tell me a little bit about you.
1: Well, I um, am originally from West Virginia. I'm from Jackson County. Um, And um, I have a master's degree in biology with an emphasis in aquatic toxicology. Um, which led me on the crazy kind of path to get here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, i'm I'm married. I have two kids, um three dogs and a cat. We love to hike and be outside and forage and do all of the wonderful things that West Virginia allows you to do.
0: Absolutely. I mean, were you so you're clearly in tune with nature you're clearly in tune with the environment and you love West Virginia was there something in your childhood that kind of sparked that?
1: yeah, actually um uh, my grandfather was a farmer and um he actually uh ran a nursery he had Parsons nursery in Charleston okay and so um I grew up, you know, on his farm with milking the cows and, you know, working in the garden. And then every Christmas we got to go harvest the Christmas trees and work at the farmer's market. And, um, it's funny because at the time, you know, when you're a kid, I, I loved it and I loved being there with him, but I thought, oh, I'm never going to do this. (laughs) And so it's, it's funny how, as you grow up and try to get away, your roots kind of pull you, pull you back.
0: Absolutely. I mean, when you've got that that implanted passion, essentially, it just tends to find its way out there in life. Um, Absolutely. And it takes yeah. you down those paths. So going back to the sustainability department at Marshall, I mean, obviously that's a huge component of the university. So how in the world did it get started and how did you get involved?
1: Yeah. So it got started in 2009. It's a really cool story, actually. It was a grassroots project by a group of students. Um, they decided that they wanted to see more green initiatives on campus and they were willing to pay for it. So they petitioned the president at the time, Dr. Kopp, and um, told him we will pay $5 a year as a green fee if we can address food insecurity among students and um, landfill-bound waste. And so that's when it started. He agreed and um, they developed the green fee and they established um, the student gardens, which are still there, um, on the corner of 5th and 17th, and um, a recycling program.
0: So that's that's kind of wild how students' ideas, that one little idea, that one little initiative, has mm-hmm. grown into something this large. Do any of the, those students who began this, do they ever come back and see what their, their hard work really turned into?
1: Well, I'm... Because they are that those types of people to start initiatives and be passionate, um, they actually most of them work in nonprofits now or or other organizations. And so I get to work with them.
0: Oh, that's um, awesome.
1: You know, doing collaborations and that kind of thing. So, yeah, they they do stay pretty involved.
0: That's really neat. Um, so they started this initiative because obviously they wanted to see a change. They wanted to see, um, Marshall go green. I mean, you guys yes. are already pretty green to begin with. Right. We have a um,
1: perfect, <laughs> uh, slogan, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <Again.
0: laughs> Worked out really well. Um, but why should the students be concerned with going green? Well, there are,
1: there are several reasons. Um, first of all, I want to point out that it's not just going green, um, okay sustainability, everyone thinks of the environmental impact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, of course, very important, but it's only one of three. Um, Sustainability is actually an accounting framework. And a lot of people don't think of it that way. But there are three E's, there's the environment, there is the economy, because we have to have a healthy economy in order to be sustainable. And there's also education and equity. So we have to Have, you know, respect our environment, have a healthy economy and have healthy, happy, educated people in order to be sustainable in in the long run. So I say all of that just to say, you know, when when the students started the program, they wanted um, student gardens because of social equity issues. We have students who are in need and who are um, food insecure Mm -hmm. And so we've been able to continue the student gardens. We have market day every Wednesday during the harvest season where students can come get free food that's grown organically on campus. Um, And um, yeah, all of our programs kind of go back to that. So Sorry, that was long and drawn out. No,
0: thank you so much for correcting that and letting people know that, again, it's so much more than just that one aspect. I love it. Right. And and you
1: have to have all three. So the way that this impacts students, when we start a program on campus um, in the sustainability department, it's not just about saving the environment. It's about Doing something for them that is going to help them and lift them in the long run Mm -hmm. while saving the university money or making a profit that will then allow us, like this past year, to not have to raise tuition. When everyone else is raising tuitions, we are able to start programs that draw in funds so that we don't have to do that. And so everyone benefits.
0: Amazing. That is so awesome. So if anybody at home at, is in high school and is watching or listening, um, maybe just consider Marshall. Um, that's that's amazing. That is huge. Yeah. Uh, so there, you guys have multiple different initiatives to keep mm-hmm. this going and keep this in play. You already mentioned the student gardens. So mm-hmm. can you go into a little bit more detail about that?
1: Yeah. So we have raised beds and um, herb gardens. It's If anybody wants to to come look at it, it's behind the um, Career Center beside Harless Dining um, on 17th Street. And um, everything there pretty much is edible. We have blueberry bushes, we have uh, pollinator gardens, and um, lots and lots and lots of produce and herbs. So um, we have two gardeners that keep that up. They plant everything. Actually, It's February, so they're planting in the greenhouse now to be able to transplant. But students can come in and volunteer um, anytime they want. We have a lot of students that come in and say, you know, I miss my garden. You know, I'm (laughs) I'm not home to to work in my garden. So they can come volunteer and work. And then as we harvest, we set up a market day every Wednesday. Um, The gardeners harvest on Tuesday, and then we give it all away um, to our students on, on Wednesday at the student. That's
0: amazing. And I wish so much that I had programs like this and my undergraduate degree or my master's degree, um, because I don't have a green thumb. I kill everything that I try to grow and it's really frustrating, but I would have loved to have had somebody to guide me through that or educate me in those areas. Um, And I'm sure like, not only is this a great opportunity for students to get outside, you know, get back to nature and work on feeding themselves or feeding their student body, but it's a great educational opportunity as well. Right. And you got people to teach them how to do this.
1: That's absolutely. Um, And we even hold little workshops. Our gardeners will hold workshops and teach students how to grow plants in their dorm. So we have students that are growing basil and, you know, different herbs and um even patio plants. So students that live in apartments, you can get a five-gallon bucket and grow tomatoes and cucumbers.
0: Um, are you sure? Can I just can I enroll today? <laughs> absolutely. I would absolutely love that. <laughs> Now you also have another way to sustain, or pardon me, to stay sustainable, um, and that's your thrift store. That's yeah. also a huge initiative, too, right?
1: Yeah. So um, we were noticing we we track all of the waste haul on campus, mm-hmm. and um, so we were noticing during move out, you know, waste haul just goes through the roof. Um, and so I contacted housing, and we partnered on the. Marshall University thrift store. So, um, housing started what's called a green move out. So as students move out now instead of throwing everything into a dumpster, um because pretty much, I mean, we were all students. I get it. Something won't fit in your car, so you just leave it,
0: yeah, yeah, um, I get that,
1: And so we were seeing, you know, they were complaining about seeing mini fridges and microwaves and TVs going into the dumpsters. Wow. So um, they started a green move out so that students can donate instead of throw away. And then on our end, we started a thrift store that um, is very student friendly. We have reusable bags that you purchase when you come in. The first purchase is $3 and you can take whatever you want. It doesn't have to fit in a bag. Cause obviously you can't fit a mini fridge in a bag. Um <laughs> But when you return and you bring your bag back, it's only $1 and you oh, can take awesome. whatever you need. So we're making enough to cover costs, but then our students can come in and get whatever they need. And we we literally have everything, tons of clothing, small appliances, school supplies, books. Instead of um, you know selling their books, students will donate them so people can come in and get free books. Oh that is awesome. Um and so it's it's really beneficial for our students um and at the same time we cut waste haul by 50% during our move out.
0: Seriously? Like that's that's huge.
1: Yeah, 50% of landfill bound waste is now going to the thrift store and back oh, to our students.
0: Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Well, first off, congratulations. That is a huge accomplishment. Um, not just for you and your program, but for the university as a whole.
1: Yes. Yeah. I... It, it, it's really huge for our students. And, you know, and of course we have, as every university does, we have students who are in need. Um, of course. And so if we're contacted by student affairs or, you know, whichever entity contacts us and say we have a student in, in need, they don't have to pay. We open the store up. They can go in after hours if they want and just take whatever they need. So it's really there. It's not there to be a moneymaker. It's there for our students and just to reduce waste haul.
0: I love that. And that really creates an awesome environment for the students themselves Mm -hmm. because then everybody feels... I guess accepted and complete and they don't have to worry. A lot of people think when it's time to go to college, they only think about the tuition expense. Tuition right. and housing. Those are the first two things that always come up. But they uh-huh. don't understand that we also have to furnish a dorm. We've got to make sure that we have all of the necessary clothing because I mean, in Marshall, you're also worried about um and that's the southern part of West Virginia. You're worried about, you know, staying warm during the winter and um sometimes you wake up and it's spring and you go to bed and it's fall. Like it's crazy. <laughs> You know the,
1: never know what it's going to be like.
0: Right. So yeah. in order to maintain that, you've got to have like the necessary clothing. You've got to have books. You've got to have, you know, all of, the, all of your desk supplies. But that all of those expenses really rack up. And you guys are creating a great way to make sure that students don't have to worry about that.
1: Right. And students have enough to worry about just with their courses and passing and getting Absolutely. through. They shouldn't have to worry about whether or not they can walk, a, you know, five blocks across campus to their next class when it's 30 degrees outside. I love it. Um, So, yeah, and I didn't realize how many students we had that were were impacted until we started this store. So it's been eye-opening for me and for other members of the sustainability department to, you know, you never know what kind of circumstance is going to arise that someone's going to need immediate emergency help.
0: Well, what a great way to make sure that your students are taken care of! I I couldn't be more excited about this, um, but shifting gears just a touch. Mm-hmm. I there's one more initiative that I really wanted to to talk about because again, it's impacting your students, it's impacting your environment, it's creating it's just creating a great wholesome environment for your students as well. Um, the composting mission, which is getting huge right now, I'm I think I'm invited to the grand opening, which I'm very yes. excited about. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, so go, go ahead and go in. into detail about that one. So that is
1: the initiative that I have been working on the longest. Um, we have just opened the first commercial compost facility in the state of West Virginia, which is that. really exciting. Right. Um, we are, so the way it works, we're taking all of the pre and post uh, consumer food waste, office paper, cardboard, um, all of the lawn debris and we're able to digest it. So we have a, it's called an exact bioreactor. Um, it's a giant drum that breaks everything down in six days from input to, to finished compost. Um, and then we also have a worm bin it's five feet by 40 feet and holds 50,000 red wigglers. And so some of the compost as it comes out, will kind of rush it and take it out at three days, put it in the worm bin and let the worms finish it. And so we have castings and finished compost.
0: That's really neat. That is awesome. I've been on a turkey grow out facility and I was able to see one of these large, massive composters in actions like the mechanical composters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the coolest thing because you... Input your waste and outcomes fresh compost that you can utilize immediately. Yes. Um, whereas if you try to do it at home yourself, it takes such a long time to make that process work, make it mm-hmm. happen. Um, and sometimes it doesn't always go exactly how you want it to. Um, right. Yes. Does it, um, your composter itself, how much do you, are you able to to go into detail about that? Yeah. About what? Your bioreactor, because I think those like the science behind that is the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: So, what it does, it's basically the same thing as windrowing. The only thing is it takes out all of those environmental variables that slow down the composting process. So it doesn't really do anything fancy. It doesn't warm up. It doesn't, you know, so when we put the organic material in the microbes are doing their job, they bring it up to 140 degrees and the digester is insulated. So it holds it there at a steady temperature. Um, If it gets too hot, a fan kicks on and helps it. And then it turns, it also turns. So um, it will turn several times and then stop and allow it to heat back up. And so without, you know, rain and cold weather and shifting temperatures, it's able to, instead of six months to break down, it's able to break down in six days.
0: I love that. So I worked in a a poultry facility. I did research with broilers for the last two years and I actually wind rowed by hand. Usually you've got like mechanical (laughs) wind rowers. So we Wind Road by hand, we put everything in those long piles and then would come in after it reached temperature, if it reached temperature and turn it by hand again. Um, so having something like that is phenomenal. Um, so once you have everything composted, are you able to sell that? What do you what's your next step once it's done?
1: Yeah, so um we actually worked really hard. We worked with a couple state senators and some delegates in our region and Changed the law because it was not legal. I don't want to say it was illegal, but it was not legal to sell post consumer compost in the state um, or post consumer food waste as compost. Okay. Um, So I got all of the science together, showed how, you know, 140. Degrees for six days is going to kill all the pathogens. It's safe. And we were actually able to put it into law. So wow. it not only helps us, but now what we're wanting to see is this go statewide. There's Absolutely. no reason we can't, you know, have composting across the state.
0: Yeah, that is phenomenal. That's a huge accomplishment.
1: It's, it, it's exci. I, it still hasn't completely sunk in. I don't think I'm like, ah. but I mean, not that I'm. I'm thinking that it's small, but you know what? I'm
0: so yeah, it's doing. definitely not because not only are you impacting just your area, but this is a like this is a statewide thing. Yes. and that is. Oh my gosh, this is so cool! I would love to see something like this pop up all over the state because it it does make a massive impact. It really
1: does. I mean, and on so many levels. So we're people say, you know, well, why, why is compost important? Like who, who cares? I get that a lot. And so I'm like, well, there, we have limited landfill space Mm -hmm. and it costs a lot to haul your everything to a landfill. Um, instead we'll be taking it to our facility, um, and turning it into something that we can sell for a profit. So you we're basically making money from our Trash. We're, yeah. That's exactly what we're doing.
0: Turning trash. But not only that, I love it.
1: <laughs> on the environmental side, West Virginia has a history of extractive industry. And so our soil suffers. We, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, for or against the extractive industry. I'm not saying that. It's just, mm-hmm. the fact is that our soil suffers and so there are areas in the state where we can't grow a lot of produce and we see massive flooding so one thing that I, um, i always point out too is that on the environmental side besides saving landfill space um we are able to build our soils back compost isn't like regular fertilizer it actually builds your soil makes it healthier. It absorbs more water. It holds water. So it reduces flooding. It reduces runoff. And then we're able to grow food that we weren't able to grow before.
0: How awesome is that?
1: So this has the potential, and I realize this is a very big statement, but it does have the potential to change the economy and the types of industry that we have here in the state.
0: I don't think that's a big statement. I think that's a realistic statement that is very realistic, very attainable. Um, And if people more people get on board with this, that's something Mm -hmm. that can definitely happen here in the state of West Virginia.
1: Absolutely. And we're perfectly located for it. We are within driving distance of the majority of the population on the East Coast. Um. When you consider that, you know, there are a lot of farms in Ohio and Kentucky, and even here in West Virginia, um, who have to to drive a very long way to buy bulk compost. West right. Virginia could be that hub. We could have everyone coming to us. Um, and then with food production as well, the entire state is considered a food desert. Yes, ma'am. We are very food insecure. And we come from a history you know this of agriculture yes ma'am this could allow us to get back to that and become a food hub you know we have for centuries provided power to the united states through coal production we have the potential now to provide food to the united states through agriculture and And i think that we can get there through composting
0: And so there's a lot of people that I've been talking to that kind of have that same mission and that same understanding that here in West Virginia, it's agriculture rich. It's a very, people don't always consider West Virginia as an agricultural hub, but it is. And we have the potential to get rid of the food deserts that we have here in the state. It shouldn't be a thing. So like the Ag Action Network specifically, like they were looking at different ways to create that uh, more I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Increased food ecosystem um, Mm -hmm. and have a healthier food ecosystem to ensure that we don't have these food insecurity issues. And not only is your program and what you're trying to accomplish going to help with that, but it also can help with job deserts as as well. I mean, why couldn't this become a great way to increase job security, make sure that there is um, these hubs all over West Virginia Mm -hmm. to make that happen?
1: I love it. Exactly. We will always need food. Yes, ma'am. We will always need food. And so we are also um, touching on workforce development. Um, We have started a specialty agriculture program at Marshall, which composting will be part of that training or that degree program. And um, we're working on micro credentials as well. So uh, what a micro credential is, it's a very intense course that will take about a semester to complete. But it's open not only to our students, but to others in the community as well. You can come in and take this very intensive course, learn multiple ways of how to compost commercially, and then take that um, to start your own compost.
0: So you don't have to be a student. Just to clarify, you don't have to be a student to get that micro-credential. Yeah, no. that, that is That is awesome.
1: So this is it, just in the works. We've written, you know, I'm working with um, Dr. Autumn Starcher Patton in the College of Science and um, to get this micro-credential off the ground. So as soon as it is open, yes, it will be open to anyone. Who wants well,
0: to take as it. soon as it is, please let me know, because I'd love to make sure that I can share that with people. Um, because, again, something that you said before we even started the interview is that WVU, I'm I'm sorry, I'm also wearing a WVU shirt. I didn't realize that until I started. <laughs> um, hey, I didn't mean to make that happen. We um, are all in the same
1: state and we're yes, all ma'am. working together. It's...
0: But something that you said was that WVU is really considered the agricultural school. Mm-hmm. Um, They don't always look at Marshall as that viable option if they wanted to get an ag degree, Um, but you're talking about creating a very specialized agricultural degree at Marshall. Um, So you touched on it just a a little bit, but could you go into that just a a hair? Yeah, so um,
1: the uh, Natural Resources and the Environment Department of the College of Science um, has been working on a specialty agriculture major. This is actually, or last semester was the first semester that it was an open major. That's um, awesome. and it has a sustainability minor that you can take as well. Um, and what it focuses on, you know, we're not a land grant institution like right. WVU. So, um, we don't have, you know, the, the large scale agricultural programs, but we don't want to compete with WVU anyway. So, mm-hmm. We were looking at um, how we could complement. And so what we're focusing on is urban agriculture, small farms, um, things that you can do in small spaces, especially here in West Virginia. When you drive up a holler, you know, you have sunlight from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. and you got to make it work. And, you know, an acre (laughs) of (laughs) flatland. So, um, you know, what can we do with those spaces? that's what we were thinking about. and so that's where the commercial composting comes in. that's where hydroponic agriculture comes in. um and you know just different things like that. And what can we do in our cities? a lot of our cities though we we have smaller cities than most states are still food insecure.
0: yes ma'am.
1: um and people that live in cities need food just as much as people that live in our more rural areas. So, yeah, what can we do to make small lot farms produce the the most fresh, healthy food as possible?
0: Yeah, not only is there a need for this in West Virginia, but there's an interest. Like there's a, so many people that I know that are so interested in this topic specifically. Um yes. this is this is a phenomenal program. And again, like you said, uh complement not competition. I yes. love that. Moving forward just a little bit, this is a great opportunity for Marshall, for your community, for the students, and again, potentially the state. Um, But I love the educational side of things as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So what kind of educational opportunities or resources do you provide for the students and your community? So we do a lot of
1: community workshops. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually have one coming up on February 18th. that people can come to at the, the compost facility. Um, it's free and open to the public. Um, so, we do a lot of that. We work with other nonprofits throughout um, the area, such as Unlimited Futures, which focuses on food security and entrepreneurship in the Fairfield neighborhood okay. of Hampton. So, you know, we work, and Coalfield Development, we work a lot with Coalfield Development because they do have a statewide reach. Um, uh, as far as on campus, you know, like I said, we're, we're working on the micro-credentials that will be for both our students and the community, but then we have the, the um, agriculture major, specialty agriculture, but I want to point out that it's not just for our ag majors as well. We're also working with um, professors in the College of Business to develop internships. So we're looking at agribusiness. So business majors can come in and internship or do an internship in um, operations or promotions, marketing, um, any of uh you know, supply chain demand. We have all kinds of we're working on all kinds of internships to get people from all over the campus in and working yeah. at the, the facility.
0: That's great. I mean, I say all the time, and I'm gonna say it again to people who have listened to this podcast or listened to me talk, I say this phrase 24-7, but agriculture is so much more than cows, sows, and plows. There are so many different opportunities for you to get involved in agriculture. So yeah, if you're a business major, I can guarantee you there is a job for you in this industry. <laughs> so that's yeah. amazing. And when we're looking
1: at um, you know, even the food security aspect, um, you know. I had coming from a, a science background into this field, I had thought, oh, you know, the College of Science will be all over this. Um, and not that they weren't, but I was really shocked at the other majors, the other departments around campus that came in with interest in sustainability and agriculture. Um, the social work department and the sociology department are two of our biggest volunteer groups that come in because of food insecurity and how the environment and food affects our society.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there's 8 billion people in our world and agriculture affects every single one of them. So it doesn't matter what your field of study is. You still have to eat. You still have to wear clothes. You still have to put gas in your vehicle and that impacts every single one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: and I say that all the time with sustainability, we are we touch everything. Mm-hmm. We touch everything on our campus. We touch everything in our community.
0: It's because a great. Obviously,
1: way to you think. can't. We all have to be sustainable. Exactly. You know, we all have to sustain ourselves.
0: Yes, ma'am. And that's what we're here to do. It's a it's such a broad way to think about it, but it does. It is crazy mm-hmm. how much it impacts us. So my next question for you is how would you like to see this actually expand at the university?
1: Um well I mean we're working on expanding it within the university um now right. um beyond composting beyond you know all of that um we're working now um writing sustainability policy or sustainable policy for the the university um we've found that you know every department has their own policy on how to purchase or how to do this and that we're trying to make a blanket policy so that we're all on the same page that there's less waste um and i think that that is going to to um just help the university in leaps and bounds Absolutely. Um, just just saving and having everybody on the same page um and and not wasting um we're looking at alternative energies. We're looking at um, adding EV chargers. We're looking, which we have two already, but we're looking at adding more. And We're actually working mm-hmm. with WVU on that. Oh, that's awesome! Um, so, yeah, we we work with WVU a good bit. Like I said, you know, we're if we can come together, we can get a lot more done than if we try to do this individually. Absolutely. So, partnerships are very important. Um, but yeah we're we're working on all kinds of initiatives and then also educating our students because i think in our state we have such a lack of um understanding of what sustainability really is yep. that we want to educate our students and our community um because it really comes down to behavior modification. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's people don't want to be uh live a sustainable lifestyle because we would all benefit from it. I think it's just if you don't know you don't know.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um
1: and we have a lot of students that come from, you know, southern west virginia or different areas who, you know, there's no curbside recycling program, they don't understand how recycling works. There's no composting program. You know, there's We've lost touch with with being connected with the earth and our food sources and that kind of thing. And so that is what we're focusing on the most right now is educating our students, the community on how you can live sustainably and how it will directly impact your life and make it better.
0: Absolutely. And One of the, the things that I tell people, and I got this from a, a really great friend of mine, and he said, don't be afraid to be the needle in the haystack. Be that one person that makes the little change in your home because that does create a ripple effect. So yeah, you might be the only person in your dorm who is recycling, but that's going to make a big impact because eventually other people will catch on. And yeah. then you can teach that to your friends. You can teach that to your children. You can teach that to your professors. So be the needle in the haystack. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up. The students, you know, being the one person doing it, maybe on the floor of their residence hall. Um, we've just started a program, um, a peer mentor program. So we have a small group of students who are really passionate and they are now going out on campus and tabling and educating their peers, I love you know, you. and leading programs because I can walk in and talk all day long and, you know, I'm, I'm just the old lady in the room. Oh my gosh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, we all respond in a more positive way to our peers. Of course. They have the way to communicate and to get that message across in a very meaningful way. And so I'm really excited that we have these students that are coming in and taking on that responsibility and that role to... um, kind of, I say, preach the gospel of sustainability to their, to their peers on campus. Um, It is making a difference. It's really making a difference.
0: Good. And that's awesome when you can see those, um, those ideas come to fruition and see things start to happen. Um, So Mm -hmm. moving into that and and along those same lines, how can somebody at home actually start to reduce their energy and resource consumption? Um, What things can they do to make those small changes in their day-to-day lives? Really, it is
1: very, very small. Um, There are little things. Um, One thing that I didn't realize um, until we switched out our light bulbs at Marshall, I didn't realize what regular light bulbs and LED light bulbs, the difference between the two. Switch out your light bulbs. Get LED light bulbs. I am saving in my home probably $30 a month. Seriously. Seriously. From switching out all my light bulbs to LED, that is awesome. It's insane, and it it uses so much less energy. So little things like that, um, watching your water consumption, um, making sure you don't have leaky faucets. It seems they all seem so small, but it really, um, it really adds up. And the number one thing and I will preface this by saying, "I understand that it can be very difficult. This is the one thing that can be difficult is minimizing single use plastic. Yes. we are I, I can't emphasize enough the um mountain of single use plastic that the world is under right now, and it will always be here. It never goes away. Even when you put it in the recycle bin, because of the way plastic is made less than 10% of what you put in the recycle bin is actually recycled. Wow. So what we need to do is just start moving away from single-use plastics. The good news is corporations are catching on to this and they understand this. And so you can now get a lot of things in aluminum or glass that you couldn't get before, both of which are infinitely recyclable. So if we can move away from single-use plastics, that's... That's a huge one too that you can do in your home. And it doesn't have to be all at once. Start with one product and move to the next.
0: For me specifically, I really tried to get rid of plastic water bottles. That was my biggest thing I would buy. I swear it was like a case or two a week. And at one point I was like, this is insane. Why in the world am I doing this? So now I've got a ton of reusable water bottles and I make, try to make it fun. I know this sounds so silly, but I get really cute ones so that (laughs) I'm like happy to carry them around. I want to show them off, but it forces (laughs) me to actually use that as opposed Mm -hmm. to, buying a case of water and then something else that one of my friends he hates using k-cups because again single-use plastics so he's got um he's it's a reusable like coffee strainer it looks like a little k-cup but you put your coffee in you wash it out when you're done you just reuse it every day right
1: yeah they they now make reusable k-cups and it saves you money in the long run too yeah it's way cheaper to just buy your own coffee and fill that than to buy all these little K cups. Um, and actually, the the person that invented Keurig has come out and said that they regret that part. They weren't aware of the amount of waste that it would produce. I guess and how Keurig would take off in popularity, and said that that's their biggest regret is the amount of waste that it causes.
0: Wow, well, it's kind of cool. I guess. I, I okay. Cool might not be the the best word, but it's good that he is recognizing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they can come up with a better solution moving forward, and maybe change the industry as a whole.
1: Right. And I know they are. They do make the reusable ones mm-hmm. now. So Curig does. So you know the there are always options out there, and it might cost a little more to buy that reusable one up front, but it's going to be more efficient in the long run
0: absolutely absolutely so if you're listening at home start with something small don't be afraid to try something small yeah. um, And if you need ideas how can they get a hold of you
1: they can email our department at b marshall green that's b b e marshall green at marshall.edu that's awesome Yep. And so I'll get that and Carrie Nillis, our sustainability coordinator, will get that and one of us will get back to you.
0: Do you guys have a website or Facebook or Instagram? We do.
1: We are on Instagram at bmarshallgreen. Um, and we are on Facebook at Marshall Sustainability Department.
0: Perfect. And what I'll do is when I post this, um, you guys can find all that information right in the post and you can click on those links. and um, It'll take you right to their page. So maybe if you're a student. You can be, you know, you can find that information right then and there if you're interested. And of course, that email address was talked about right in this podcast. So shoot him a message if you have questions or you're interested in becoming involved. Um, now, something that, okay, I'm going to kind of change gears a little bit again here. Uh, I talk about this all the time when I am speaking to a female agriculturist. Mm-hmm historically, agriculture is very male-dominated. Um, talk to me about your experience as a woman in this field and if you have any advice for future female agriculturists.
1: Yeah, um, I think it, any male-dominated field can be challenging or intimidating of to, to get into. Um, I've switched from one male-dominated industry, which I worked in aquatic toxicology, over to another in in sustainability and agriculture. So I've been dealing with this for a while. Um, The advice that I would have for women going into it is, number one, know who you are, know what you know, and be confident. I love that. Um, You know, just because something is male-dominated doesn't mean that there isn't a place for us. There yes, definitely yeah. is. We are needed. And um, you know, just know who you are. Go in with confidence and don't let anyone ever talk you down. Don't let anyone tell you that you don't know what you're doing just because you're female. And, you know, that being said, not every male is going to do that right. to you. Um, but it can be discouraging. You can have 50 men in agriculture root you on, but it just takes that one.
0: I know. Comes
1: in and is condescending and um, you know don't let that get to you. That's a reflection of them and not you. You s- stand tall and confident.
0: Yeah. That's perfect advice. I love that so much. And um, again, I talk to a lot of people about this and I tell them all the time, please just stay persistent. So yes. regardless of it's a if it's a, a man or woman who is telling you you can't do this or mm-hmm. you know you are or they are condescending towards you, um, stay persistent in that because that one person shouldn't de- define define your, your future or stop you from reaching those goals. So persistence right. is key in this situation.
1: Well, right. And you know, like you just said, whether it's a man or a woman, you will have a lot of naysayers in anything that you do. Yes, if ma'am. you come up with a novel idea or something that's never been done before, you will have naysayers. When I said I wanted to start a compost facility at Marshall University four years ago, when I started researching this, I had people laugh, laugh out loud, and say, you're never going to, that's never going to happen. People have tried before, it's failed, it's not going to happen. Well, I didn't listen to them. I'm not very good at taking no for an answer. So- (laughs) you know, I just kept going. And um, it never got to a point, even when we were struggling and COVID hit and things came to a complete standstill, um, it never got to the point where I thought, okay, maybe I do need to quit. Because certainly you need to know when it's not going to work and you need to find another route. But um, yeah, I never got to that point and I didn't give up. And so even when people are... Um, telling you it can't be done because it's never been done before. Well, you don't know if it can be done because it's never been done before. You know, maybe no one's ever attempted or maybe they've never attempted it the way you want to do it. Trust in yourself, trust the process and go for it.
0: Gosh, I love that. If anybody is struggling at home and needs a motivational speech right now, (laughs) that is it. That is it. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that story. Oh, you're welcome. So I've got, I, I want to I want to
1: have as many young people in West Virginia inspired to go into agriculture or any type of entrepreneurship that will bring workforce development and economic security into our yes, state. Ma'am.
0: And that actually leads me perfectly into the next question. And it's really about the future of agriculture. You know, you are inspiring people to get involved in the future of agriculture. Um, So my favorite speech is from E.M. Tiffany, and it's the FFA Creed. Yeah, And that begins with, I believe in the future of agriculture. Mm -hmm. So why do you believe in the future of agriculture?
1: I believe in the future of agriculture, much like E.M. Tiffany um, wrote in the poem, because it's, you know, I believe in the leadership um, in agriculture from ourselves. I believe in our ability to work and become self-sustaining and to provide for our neighbors. I believe in um, our ability as West Virginians to be that leader. Um, And I think that we can do that here in West Virginia. I think that agriculture um, really, I mean, we've touched on it, it, in the conversation, it affects every single person. Um, and so I believe in the future of agriculture here in our state, because we have the ability and we have the people that are willing to put in the work, learn new processes, become innovative, look at you know maybe hydroponic agriculture in areas where we can't grow in the ground. Um, Compost facilities. We have that ability as West Virginians to move forward and develop an economy and a solid um, economic infrastructure in our state. I don't know if that answers your question.
0: That does 100%. I love that. You know, you are so passionate about your program. You're passionate about sustainability and agriculture. And more importantly, I think you're passionate about the people of West Virginia and the future of West Virginia. So that's awesome to see. It's very inspiring, just so you know. I'm so excited right now. <laughs> I can't wait for people to hear this message and hear this, this story. Um, and I really hope that people also get inspired, too, and want to take action. I do, too.
1: And um, <laughs> thank you. Um, as Miss West Virginia, you have a big platform. And um, the fact that you're focusing on agriculture and that that's also your passion, you um, you know it makes me excited to see younger people coming up and getting back to our roots and coming back to you know what's important for our people and so yeah i think i think we're on the the path to very good things and a good future in west virginia
0: i love that well thank you so much and thank you so much for agreeing to be on this and sharing your story well, guys, that's actually the end of our podcast today. I honestly, I wish I could keep talking to you more because again, I love what you're doing. Um, and I'm super excited. I can't wait to see where this goes in the future. Um, thank but you. because it's the end, uh, hopefully you guys will continue watching and you will share this, like it, um, and make sure you tune in to see who I've got for next week for Farmer Fridays. As always, please remember to thank you, farmers.